Welcome to the Let Me Show You London podcast. Let me plan. Let me help. Let me show you London. Uh, so welcome back to the Let Me Show You London podcast. Um, I'm joined again today by our guide, Denisa. Hi, everybody. And today we're going to talk about uh, the Tower of London. Uh, which for me um, always conjures up this image of one solitary tower, but that's not quite right, Denise, is it? Uh, no, no, it isn't. And um, actually, you are not the only person thinking along those lines. Uh, because of the name, the Tower of London, a lot of visitors, uh, when they come, they are actually looking for some kind of tower. But actually, the Tower of London is a very large medieval castle built on the banks of the River Thames. The complex is quite vast. It has about 22 towers. Um, so it's not just one, uh, one tower on its own. OK, so not just one tower, a whole castle complex um, right in the middle of the city. That's quite impressive. Not very common at all. Um, yeah, you are absolutely right. Uh, and... To be fair, the Tower is one of my favourite places in London and there is just so much to see inside. You really need a couple of hours to explore uh, the Tower uh, tower fully. Um, I always like to start at the Welcome Centre, which is not inside the Tower yet, it's uh, right outside. And you have this huge photograph which shows you an aerial view of the castle and that's when you understand how big the whole place actually is. Okay, so we've got some idea before we go in then of the, the scale um, of the castle. Uh, and you mentioned that it was uh, medieval. J just how old is the castle? The, um, the castle is from the 11th century, or let's put it this way, the oldest part of the castle is from uh, the 11th century. So it's pretty old. And it started with William the Conqueror, who built the center part, um, a place that we today call the White Tower. It's the part with the flag on top of it. And that is from 1078. So that's William the Conqueror that's famous from the Battle of Hastings, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you are correct. Uh, William the Conqueror, he won the Battle of Hastings in 1066 and he became William I, the King of England. And he wanted to show his, his power. And during his time, there was a lot of building going on around the whole country, castles and cathedrals. And um, the castles and cathedrals built in that time, we call it the Norman style or um, the, the Norman time. Just imagine looking today at the central tower, the white tower, and um, what was it like back then? What the people who lived in the neighborhood must, uh, must thought when they saw this construction uh, going up? It must have been very difficult for them to understand what's actually going on because they were living in simple, small um, wooden houses or huts even, and suddenly this huge structure was growing on their doorsteps. So as king, uh, he basically used it as a status symbol then? Yes, he did. Um, the White Tower was uh, what we call the keep, which was the place for the king and his family to, to live, to reside. And um, actually back then it didn't even take that long to build. It was about 20 years before the White Tower was finished. Okay, that's pretty quick, I guess, compared to Westminster Abbey that we were talking about last time at around 500 years. 
yeah I know if you compare it with other castles and other buildings this was relatively quick um, but of course over the next centuries it was enlarged that's when um, the curtain walls with smaller towers were added um, those curtain walls especially the outer one uh, you can see it outside that's the best place um, for it to view from the outside um, the tower was always all about defense it has always been a fortress to protect the royal family and their, um, their prized possessions it had to be safe and as the architecture and the building styles were developing the tower was gradually changing as well so when you go inside today apart from the stone buildings you will also find some red brick houses alongside um, of these old buildings which uh, were added in more recent years so you mentioned it was used as a residence for the royal family um, they don't still live here today do they no, no, they uh, they don't. None of the members of the royal family live here. In fact, the last time the tower was used as a royal residence was back in early um, 16th century, so that's early 1500s. That's when Henry VII stayed here for um, for a short time. After that, most monarchs were searching for different palaces to to live in. Was there some reason why why they moved on? Oh, well, think about it. Um, this was already quite old place for them. It was drafty, it was cold, probably not very comfortable. So they wanted something um, more more modern. It's like us today, you know, you always want to have something something new, something a little bit better. The tower then became more of a ceremonial place and it also um, became very well-known prison. And um, actually, the tower, in fact, served many roles during the during its history. You mentioned there that it was used as a prison. It's quite famous as a prison. Could you could you tell us a little bit more about that? Of course, um, the tower was used as a prison, but it wasn't built as one. So you are not going to find any any prison cells. Anybody who spent some time at the tower as a prisoner wasn't just an ordinary man, uh, like your ordinary thief or, or a mugger. Um, the tower was reserved for what I can call a high-end prisoner, somebody who was very close to the royal family or potentially even, even a member of the royal family and um, they were a threat to the ruling monarch. The prisoners were usually treated with respect, obviously according to their status, and uh, they also could bring their possessions. They could have uh, relatively comfortable lives. Um, but of course, we, you are still, you're still in a prison. Because we don't have any prison cells, the prisoners were assigned a tower, either a whole either a whole tower or just one floor of a tower of one of the small ones. So imagine like having a studio flat today. They were, most of them had fireplaces, they brought their furniture and they could even receive visitors if, um, if they had any and they could walk around the complex, they could um, do pretty much, they could live uh, relatively normally but again you are still in a prison. Money played a very big part here because you could 
pay the guards for, let's say, more food, more firewood or anything else. The the problem started uh, when the prisoners stayed here for very long because suddenly the funds were running out and it was quite obvious that the time, their time, is coming to the end as well. So what was the sort of average amount of time that, that prisoners might spend here? That uh, differed uh, quite a lot, actually. So it could have been few days, few weeks, but it could have been even many, many years. So, for example, uh, Queen Anne Boleyn, she was the second wife of Henry VIII, she stayed here for about 17 or 18 days, whereas um, a courtier and explorer, Walter Raleigh, spent here about 13 years. It was on and off, but 13 years in total. So each case was very different. And what happened um, to these prisoners? Uh, Were they released at the end of their time or did they survive? Again, it uh, depended who who was imprisoned here. So we mentioned um, we mentioned few, and we get back to them. But for example, we had even Elizabeth the first imprisoned here. It was just before she became queen, and she was kept here at the tower by her sister Mary, who thought she was part of a Protestant rebellion. Elizabeth uh, stayed here for a few months and uh, she was the lucky one because she was released after and um, she became the Queen Elizabeth I. What about Anne Boleyn, who you mentioned earlier? Yeah, Anne Boleyn, she wasn't so lucky. Um, After failing to provide a male heir to Henry VIII, she was accused of adultery and also of witchcraft. She ended up here at the Tower for about 18 days. And on the 18th day, a scaffold site or an execution site was built and she was executed there. Wow, just just like that. Yeah, very, very quick. But until the very last moment, she was treated uh, with respect as the queen she was. But even her um, her status couldn't help her. So her execution took place here in the grounds of the tower? Yes, there is a special place uh, called uh, the Tower Green. And uh, that's where the executions took place. Not many, mind you, you know, there were not as many um, executions inside, only the important ones, such as Anne Boleyn. Now, um, the records of her executions show that um, when she, or immediately after the execution, um, her head, when it was when the head was chopped off, the eyes and mouth were still moving because she was praying that how quick, that's how quick the execution actually was. Um, The tower was, um, we can say, sort of a private execution site because the public one was not very far from here. It was on top of the tower hill, not far from the tube station today. Okay, that's a pretty gruesome account of uh, some of the executions. Was this happening until fairly recently, or or uh, or was it all um, you know much uh, much further in the past? Quite recently, we can say actually. You might you might be surprised, but uh, the tower was used as a prison also during uh, World War Two. Some German spies were imprisoned here during those times, and that was also the time of the last execution. The man uh, was called Joseph Jacobs. He was a German spy, and he was shot by a firing squad in 1941. Okay, so as little as sort of 80 years. Uh, That really is quite recent. Yeah, very, very recent. Just um, imagine today being imprisoned in a medieval castle, or behind the walls of a medieval castle. 
Um, I just want to um, mention another uh, very famous name who spent some time here and that was Rudolf Hess. Again, that was during the World War Two. He was pretty much number one to Adolf Hitler. He was imprisoned here at the tower and he was even questioned here, but um, at the end he was returned back to Germany. Okay, thank you. So moving on from uh, prisoners and executions, uh, what else is there for uh, people to see when they come to the tower? The tower is a fantastic place to explore and um, good thing is that you don't have to follow any certain route, uh, designated route. You can just roam around on your own and um, you can go wherever you want. We mentioned the White Tower, we mentioned the prisoners, so now let's talk about the crown jewels. Okay, obviously the tower is quite famous for the crown jewels, but I assume that they are replicas of the jewels. No, no, they are they are real. That they, they are the jewels that are still used today for some special occasions. All the treasure, all the all the crown jewels are kept in uh, what's called the jewel house, and there are many items on show. And uh, those items um, were used for coronations of the monarchs, and uh, that would be mostly the coronation crown, the scepter, the orb. But th there is so much more. So those specific pieces. Uh, were used in the last coronation and have been on display ever since. Yeah, those three that I mentioned uh, were used in the last coronation and they are on display today, but we do have some pieces that were used more recently. For example, a baptism font called the Lily font and it was used when uh, Prince Louis was baptized in 2018. Um, he, Prince Louis is the youngest son of um, of Prince William. Then we have another piece which is called the State Imperial Crown and that is used by Her Majesty every year on an occasion which is called the State Opening of the Parliament. Okay, so depending on when you come and visit, um, some of these items might not be here. They're, they're just removed and, and put back as and when they're needed. Yes, exactly. Um, one day they are on display and then they, they are missing for a few days. But they usually come back very, very quickly. It's uh, the movement of the jewels um, probably is very easy and it's also very, very low key. It doesn't even uh, disrupt the exhibition itself because there is so much to look at that you don't even realize that anything is missing. Okay, that's nice. It's, it's amazing that they're still here for everyone to see and it's all still open. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, it's very good. And um, also think about it. We are in the medieval castle. We are in a fortress. Um, the jewels themselves, they are housed in a very secure vault. So I don't think um, any kind of security threat is an issue. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, it's not like you get very far with any of them. So, No, you wouldn't. Um, you wouldn't get far at all because uh, we have the guards everywhere. So who are the guards that we, uh, that we see around here? Are they normal police or private security guards? No, we are actually talking about proper military personnel here. The Queen's Guards are here at the Tower of London. They are the same guards that you find at Buckingham Palace, for example. They are all dressed up in their uniforms, wearing a bare skin and carrying a rifle. And in fact, here at the Tower, this is the best place to take some good photographs of the guards because you can get very close. 
but bear in mind that whenever the guards are on the move and you are in the way you just have to uh, step aside very quickly because they have the priority okay i didn't know um, that they were the same ones from buckingham palace um but they're not the same as the other people that we see wandering around in in uniforms within the tower is that right no we have few more um few more uniformed people here at the tower some of them are the staff who are looking after the well-being of visitors but the others are the famous yeoman warders or as we call them the beef eaters so they're quite famous, I guess. Most people have heard of them. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about them? Of course. The position of the Yeoman Warder has been around since the Tudor time, so that's about the 16th century. And um, historically, they were the personal guard of the monarch. It was uh, Henry VIII who moved them here to the Tower of London, and they have been here ever since. And eventually they were given um, the fancy bright red uniforms. Today we have 37 yeoman warders and they're both men and women. How would somebody go about becoming a yeoman warder? Is it, um, is it a hard process? It is quite hard because to become one you have to have a military experience at least 22 years. Okay, so does it become almost a retirement position for them then? I know 22 years, it's um, it's a lot, uh, but you can join the armed forces when you are 16. So 22 years um, only takes you to your late 30s, maybe early 40s. So yes, you are retired from your active service and then you can apply for a position of a beefeater. It is very prestigious and very sought after position. So when we come to the tower, uh, can we always expect to see the Beefeaters uh, in their fancy uniforms, as you put it? Um, no, <laughs> unfortunately not. Uh, that's not guaranteed because uh, they use the bright red, uh, beautifully embroidered uh, uniform for only special days. So, for example, on Her Majesty's birthday. And for the rest of the year, they have their everyday uniforms, and that would be this dark blue and red uniforms, which are still very, very pretty, but it's not, they are not as ornate as the, as the red ones. Okay, I understand. So, uh, unlike the Queen's Guard, who are here uh, purely in a security role, um, can, can we meet the Yemen Warders? Yes, you can, because they are um, all, around, uh, all around the tower. You can meet them, you can have a quick chat you can take a photo um, they know so much about the tower because they actually live here this is their home oh really they live here full time yes they do they uh, they live here with their um, with their families with their uh, with their children with their pets even so think um, think of the tower as a small village with a couple of hundreds people living living here that's exactly exactly how it works they even have their own pub or club on site but it's reserved just for them that's a shame that you can't go into uh, to see them in the pub and uh, you mentioned that they live here with their families and their pets um i understand that those aren't the only animals that used to exist in the tower. The tower in the past was used as a zoo with all kinds of animals. It was the royal menagerie. So back in the 13th and 14th centuries, the monarchs were giving each other some bizarre gifts and uh, those were mostly some kind of exotic animals. So for example, the king of Norway sent a polar bear, king of France sent an elephant. Just imagine 
when the elephant was walked into the tower. What did people think back then? That's pretty crazy, I guess, yeah. Certainly not something you're expecting to see. Now, unfortunately, um, the animals were here, but the knowledge about them uh, wasn't. So people didn't know how to properly look after, look after them, and uh, many animals didn't last very long. That's a shame, but I guess it's it's understandable if you think about it, um, you know, with the time that we were considering. Um, so, so what other kind of animals uh, might we have found here previously? Oh, there were all sorts. Um, you would find lions, tigers, porcupines, monkeys. Uh, and um, these animals, they were kept here until about the 19th century. That's when the London Zoo was open in Regent's Park. And uh, from that point, everything moved over there. So prior to London Zoo opening and then moving across, uh, could people come and visit them? Was the tower open to the public? Yes, it was. It was open to the public. People could come here. They could look at the animals, the yeoman warders, the beefeaters. They were conducting uh, conducting tours around. Um, so the visitors back then were welcomed here the same way as they are today. Okay, so there's no more animals here for us to see today then, uh, I guess. Um, th there, there actually are. We do have the famous ravens, uh, the famous tower, tower ravens. There is a legend that says that the tower has to keep at least six ravens on site. And if these ravens escape, monarchy falls. So everybody makes sure that the ravens are very well looked after. Uh, when you come across one, you see how shiny and healthy they look. Um, the the ravens, especially in the in the recent years, they became a very very popular attraction. They are free to roam around, but uh, they do have their cages where they where they sleep. Um, some of them are very friendly and they will sit next to you on a bench, but always be careful if you are taking out some snacks, biscuits or crisps, because uh, definitely they will they will want to share. Okay. It's it's amazing really how much there is on offer um, to see in the tower. Um, is there is there anything else that you think we've missed? There there is a lot. Uh, you are correct. Um, I would recommend a um, couple of hours to visit the tower. Um, you will be constantly inside and outside, going from one tower to another. Um, at the beginning, we mentioned that the tower has twenty two smaller towers in the complex, but not all of them are open to the public. Uh, there is no order in which um, you should view the tower. Just make sure that you see the jewel house, the white tower, the ravens, the scaffold site or the execution site. You can also climb up to the curtain walls and um, you can walk around, which offers some spectacular views of the tower itself and also of the River Thames and towards, uh, towards the city. Fantastic. Um, any final top tips for visitors um, coming to the tower before we finish for today? Well, maybe on a busy day, um, when you come in, go straight to the Jewel House because that's the only place that can get uh, busy and there could be a line outside. So my suggestion is going there first and um, after that just see how much time you have uh, and what else you want to uh, fit in. Don't rush take it all in. There's also a very nice cafe that you um, can use as a place to, to rest for a bit, for a little bit. And when you exit, you will be treated with one of uh, the best views of the Tower Bridge, which is located just next to the Tower of London. 
so I think that's um, all as um, as a good overview for now. Absolutely, that sounds good. So um, covered the Tower of London today. Um, we have some more topics coming up over the next couple of episodes to cover. But uh, again, like we said uh, before, if there's something in particular you'd like to hear about uh, or if there's some particular site that you would uh, like to visit when you come to London, do let us know and hopefully we can help you out with that. Thanks very much, Denisa. Thank you and bye. Bye bye. Thank you very much for joining us today. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and you can always leave us a review. We'll see you next time. 